Thank you, and God bless you all. The sermon for this morning is entitled, From God to You. From God to You. Turn with me, please, to Psalms 50. Psalms 50, beginning at verse 10 through verse 15. Psalms 50, our scripture reading is beginning here, and verse 10, it says like this, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Keep your hand right there on that psalm, because we're going to talk a little bit more about what it says. But I would like to explain to you the three major systems that governs our present world. One of the systems is communism. Communism is a system where the government owns all. It is not supposed to be that way, of course. We know that the word communism comes from the word common, which means to have things in common and things to be equally divided among uh, peoples of the commune and so on. That's what the word common or communism comes from. But the system that, the, the, that is in the world today, the system of communism, is where the government owns all and uh, they also make slaves out of the peoples, whether they want to admit it or not, but that's what it is. They are actually slaves of the government, and that is communism. The second system is capitalism. The capitalism is the system where capital is privately owned or capital is privately owned by individuals, which means that you can say, I own my house, I own land, I own this car, and so on. That's capitalism, and I believe that we practice that in the United States of America. And that is a system where you have capital, capitalism. Then there's another system, and this involves all of us that are here today, I hope it does anyway, and that is Christianity. The system of Christianity. What is it? Christianity believes that all things come from God and belong to God. Christianity is a belief that God Almighty is the supreme creator of the universe. That God created all things and that all things belong to Him. That's Christianity. That what we have, that what we call mine, my house, my car, my money, and all these things, are things that God has allowed for us to have. He has 
given us these things, or probably you might say loaned to us, in, in a way that we can enjoy them. And uh, that is, Christianity believes that. And if we are Christians, which I believe we are, then we believe that all things belong to God. And that God created all things. And that He, the supreme ruler of the universe, and also the supreme ruler of our lives. I thank God for Terry and his testimony that he told us about that God has come into his life. And that's the way it should be. His friend, who was, could have been an agnostic or an atheist, was saying, there is no God. I don't believe that there is a God. And then all of a sudden, he realizes that there is a supreme ruler, that there is a God, and that there is something more than just a dead body, that there is something more beyond the grave, that God has promised us that He's going to give us more than what we have now, that we're going to have something beautiful in that glorious kingdom. And Christianity believes that. And we're very happy that people are accepting God and believe that He is the ruler of the universe. In this psalm that we have just read, in Psalms 50, and beginning at verse 10, the, the Almighty, the Eternal, says, For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine, he says. If I were hungry, says the Almighty, Eternal God, if I were hungry, I will not tell thee. I will not tell thee. For the world is mine and the fullness thereof. Then God says, Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Will God has to eat flesh? Does God have to have the, the blood of goats and all these other sacrifices? But he says, offer unto God thanksgiving. This is what he wants. Offer unto God thanksgiving. And pay thy vows unto the Most High. Pay thy vows unto the Most High. Now when we do this, when we recognize that all things belong to God, and that He is the supreme ruler and creator of all things, then He says in verse 15, And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. Christianity believes that. But one thing that we should do, and I think that we fail to do, is that we do not thank God for the things that we have. And here the Bible says, Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High. We forget about that. And when we get into troubles, we get into some predicament of some kind, we call upon Almighty God. God help me. God do this for me. And yet, we have not been thankful 
and we have not paid our vows unto him. Let's turn to Psalms 24. We read verses 1 and 2. Psalms 24, verses 1 and 2. It says like this, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and notice the next phrase, and they that dwell therein. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. Verse 2 says, For he has founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the floods. Then in the other verses, he tells us who are the peoples that are going to actually ascend to the holy hill of God, meaning to his glorious kingdom. Who are those of all these peoples that God has created, the world and they that dwell therein, of all these things, who are those that are going to inherit the holy hill of God? Verse 3 says like this, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Notice that. Nor sworn deceitfully. Reminds me of what Paul says in Galatians. He says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And the Bible says here that he that has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Notice verse 5 of Psalms 24, verse 5. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. God is telling us here that he owns everything. The earth is the Lord's and all things that dwell therein. He has created all things. Everything belongs to him. But who will receive or will inherit the blessings of God? Who are those that are going to ascend unto the holy place of the Most High? For David says in Psalms 23 in the last verse, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Who are those that will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? When we say, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Those are the ones that will ascend to the hill of the Most High. Those that claim that God and the Lord is our shepherd. And I shall not want, he says. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 24. And the Lord Jesus, our beloved Savior, he says this in Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant 
whom his Lord has made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if, that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and, and, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with a drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What the Lord is saying here, who is that faithful servant and wise and faithful servant whom the Lord has made ruler over his household? This is talking now about us, that God has made us ruler over his household. That God has actually given us, given us the blessings of the word of God, has given us our homes, has given us the abundance of food that we have, has given us all these wonderful things, and especially the care of his church. God has given us the care of the gospel of the kingdom of God and the care of his wonderful church. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? You see, the church, and you and I being the church of God, we are supposed to be giving out meat in due season because God has made us ruler over his household, meaning that God has called us to be his servants. And we are now supposed to turn around and give it to others and share it with others. And many times, because we live in the system of capitalism, we find that capital, to have capital or to have the system of, of uh, owning the, the things that we have, uh, which means the privately owned uh, things by individuals, that because we have things, you know, that they, uh, they actually belong to us. And we say, I, I worked real hard for this. With the sweat of my brow, I, I bought this thing. And I have the home because I worked for that home. And, and I did this, and I did that, and I, I bought a car because I paid for the car, and I'm paying for it. Not realizing, brethren, that God Almighty is the one who has given us the life, the strength, the health, and the power, and all these other things that we have to have capital. Because if it were not for God, we would not be here in this country. We would be in, in communist Russia, perhaps, or maybe in Latin America, some other place, in El Salvador, or Nicaragua, or some other place. But we live in a beautiful country where we have abundance of just about everything we want. And that is called capitalism. We practice that. But God is saying here, you are my servants. I have made you to be a, a ruler over my household. 
and I want you to give meat in due season. But the servants of the Lord are saying, My Lord delayeth his coming. The Lord Jesus is not coming soon. So I will just eat and drink with a drunken. I'll just go my way. Anyway, the Lord is far off, and I'll have a good time. Then when I have the good time that I want to have, then someday I'll turn my heart over to the Lord. But the Bible says here, in verse 50, The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. The Lord is saying, look here, beware. I am coming in a day, I'm coming back in an hour that you're not aware of. And he's going to catch you by surprise or unaware. And shall cut him asunder, he says, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In that day, we're going to say, what good is our home? What good is all the things that I have? What good is to have all that money stored up in the bank? What good is it for me now? Is it worth anything? There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Because in that day, the people are going to realize that all of this capital that they have means nothing. And the Bible tells us, what would it profit a man if he were to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what can you give in exchange for your soul? What would it profit you? Absolutely nothing. Of all the things that God has given us, and we realize being Christians that all things come from God and belong to God, and of all things that, that God has given us, He requires one small item for, for us to give back. And that is to give Him back the 10%, a tithe, a tenth of all the capital that we have. Now that is asking very, very little. Believe me, when you, you know, measure all the things you have, when you begin to count all your blessings, you begin to, to you know, look around all in your home, what you have, you begin to look at the money you have, your cars, and to give God only one-tenth of all the things that we have, that is asking very little. We find that way back in Genesis chapter 14 is the first mentioned of Abraham giving his tithe to Melchizedek. That's back in Genesis chapter 14. Let's go back there and read it. Genesis 14. Beginning at verse 18 through verse 20. Genesis 14, beginning at verse 18, we read through verse 20, it says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. 
This is the first mention of tithe, that Abraham gave his tithe to Melchizedek. And of course, he was giving them to the Lord. So there was a system already established. There was a priesthood of some kind established because here Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God. And Abraham knew that. He knew, apparently he knew Melchizedek. He knew who he was. And Abraham turned around and gave him all the tenth, the tithe of all. Why did he do it? Because the Bible tells us that Abraham was called the friend of God. That Abraham did it because of obedience. Because he loved God. Because he recognized and realized that all things come from God. That whatever Abraham had, that God was the giver of everything. And so then God wants for us to give him one-tenth. But you say, well, I'm just going to give him the tenth, and that is all. Just ten percent. Brethren, I believe that if you will read the Scriptures very carefully, that God requires now, in this gospel age, more than just ten percent. Because in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says there the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That right now we're supposed to give more than just 10%. We're supposed to give our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's more than just 10%. I don't believe that a person that no one should be forced in no way whatsoever should be forced to give or to pay the tithe. In fact, I don't believe that you should word, uh, use the word pay the tithe. You should give it. Nobody should be forced to do it. Because I don't believe in, in forcing anyone that, that if it doesn't come from your heart, if it doesn't come because you love the Lord, because you want to see His work grow and go on, if it doesn't come from the bottom of your heart and your soul, then don't give anything. Let me say that if you're not doing it because you love the Lord, then don't give one penny to the Lord. Don't give anything. Because it has to come from the bottom of your heart. I believe that Abraham did it because he loved the Lord. And because he recognized, he realized in his heart that everything that he had, and he was a rich man, that everything came from God and, and uh, he just turned around and gave God 10% of all that. The same is recorded. I don't have to read it, but you know about it. Recorded in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. The same thing is recorded there about Abraham giving his tithe to Melchizedek. We also learned... In Genesis 28, which you don't want to turn there if you don't want to, but you might write down the scriptures. In Genesis 28, verses 16 through 22, where Jacob was fleeing from his brother Esau, and there he was in trouble. And he prayed to the Lord, and he said, Lord, I'm on my way, 
And, and in fact, he was running away, you know, being fearful. And he said, Lord, if you will prosper me in where I'm going, prosper me in my way. And if you will be with me, you will be my God, he said. And he said, God, I'm going to give you the tenth, the tithe. I'm going to give you the tithe. And why did he say that? You might say, well, big deal. Big deal. You prosper me. You're giving me a lot. And so then I'm just going to give you 10%. Well, big deal. Give me a million dollars and I'll give you 10%. That wasn't the case at all. The case here is the recognition that Jacob recognized that all things come from God. That if God would prosper him and give him what he needed, that in return for gratitude, for love, and for devotion, that he would just turn around and, and recognize that God had given, given him all these things, he would give him back the tenth or ten percent. You might say, well, um, I'm really in, in, in debt right now. I'm in debt and, and I have so many bills to pay and it's so hard to make ends meet. It's so hard and this and that. And, and it is very true. It is very true that we're living in a time that is real hard for us to make ends meet. But what about when the light bill comes? You have to pay that, don't you? What about when your taxes come due? What about when you want to buy things, you know, and all these other things that we have? We seem to have the money to do those things when we want them. But when it comes to the things of God, well, you know, this church here, let somebody else pay for it. You know how much money it took, or it is taking, it took and it's taking right now to have this, this whole complex we have here? You know how much money it has taken for the brethren and also the, the sweat and the work that has gone into this, this whole building here and the money involved in keeping up this whole facility, this building that we have here? Some of you perhaps have no notion whatsoever as to the money that is involved in this whole complex. But it takes a lot of money. Just to build it took a lot of money. But we have to, to pay it back too. And how are we going to do it? Well, let George do it. Let somebody else do it. I'm just going to come to church and I'm just going to come and sit and enjoy all the, the good things of the church, but I'm not going to help pay for it. Well, that, that might be your, your heart's decision. And if you want to uh, feel that way, that's fine with us. We're not going to ask you, uh, stay home or stay away from church. In fact, I want you to come to church. If you feel that way, we want you to come to church anyway. But also remember that you must honor God. Honor Him. And give Him the tenth. And believe me, God will repay you. God will bless you. God will abundantly bless you. You might say, uh, well, I have this home here and I have to pay for it and, and I have this boat, I have to pay for it and I have this other bill, I have to pay for it. What about if a tornado was to come? You know, tornadoes are very prominent here in Oklahoma. I don't know why, maybe there's a lot of bad people around here. I don't know why. 
a lot of tornadoes here in Oklahoma. What about tornado was to come and just clean you out, your house and everything? What about hurricanes? What about earthquakes that will come? What about famines? What about a sickness? You know that a sickness can come to you and take you to the hospital, and if you have a little capital, a little money, that it can actually wipe you out completely? Just going into the hospital for a few days right now will cost you a lot of money. And sometimes, brethren, we don't have the money to pay. And uh, many times we even try to borrow the money to go into the hospital. But many things can happen to our capital. But when we pray to God and we recognize that God is the giver of all things. And that God is supreme ruler of the whole universe. And we give him the tenth. We do it with all of our heart. I'm sure that God is going to bless us. Which means that God will protect your home. He'll protect your children. He'll protect everything that you have. I don't mean to say that you're not going to have trials or tribulations. I don't mean to say that you will not be sick. But in all of these trials and tribulations or sickness or whatever we'll go through, God will be with us. And God will see us through. Believe me, brethren, I'm here alive today, standing before you alive only because of the grace of God. Only because of the grace of God. And don't you think I, I owe a lot of things to my Heavenly Father? My whole life belongs to Him. My whole life belongs to Him. And I am actually standing here before you alive because God saved my life. Saved it from death. I would have been in the grave a long time ago. And I am grateful for the things that God, that He has done for me. And I want to do all that I can for my Heavenly Father. Because as long as I am alive, I want to do everything that I possibly can. And brethren, you and I should do the same. You are here alive today because God has given you life. You are here alive today because God has allowed you to live another day or another minute. Because if God doesn't want to, you will not be here tomorrow. So we owe Him everything. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Beginning at verse 6, we read 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 6. Through verse 12. Notice these verses. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is what? For the love of money is the root of all evil, it says, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, 
faith, love, patience, meekness. And verse 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And isn't that true, brethren? We bring nothing into this world, and we take nothing out. When you and I were born, we were born absolutely naked. We didn't bring a stitch of clothes with us. And when you die, you take nothing with you. And so the Bible tells us here that having food and raiment, meaning clothing, let us be content because God has given us those things. But fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. That is the best thing in this life, brethren. Lay hold on eternal life. Get it and stay with it. And fight all the way through. And stay with God. Because someday, and one of these days, it will be very soon, I believe, that Matthew 5, 5 will be fulfilled. Matthew 5, 5 says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And one of these days, our Heavenly Father is going to give us not only just a little piece of land that we might have. Now, He's going to give us the entire earth. He's going to give us a beautiful paradise, a beautiful kingdom, only because we are obedient here for just a few days, because we're giving a little 10% of our money. God is going to give us. Now, we don't, we don't give money so that we can get more money. We give it because, and let me, let me say three things about tithing. Tithe is an expression of gratitude, number one. And number two, tithe is an expression of your love for God. And number three, tithe is an expression of devotion. It has to be by gratitude. It has to be of love and devotion and no other way. Because, brethren, you and me cannot pay our way into the kingdom of God. It has to be because we love God and because we know that everything we have comes from Him and He has allowed us to have what we have now. And in gratitude, we turn around and we say, Lord, here is my portion. It belongs to you. God will bless you. And God will be with you. And remember this one thing. I want you to always remember this. That whatever you give to God, you'll never regret it. I want you to, to mark that down. That whatever you give to God, you'll never regret it. This man used to give to God. Give constantly and give and this other man asked him, he said, how come you give so much and you seem to always have so much? You always give and you give, but you always seem to have plenty. How is it? How, how can you do it? And the man replied and said, I'll tell you why. He said, look, when I, when I shovel to God, he shovels back. But you know what? He said, God has a bigger shovel. God has a bigger shovel than me. I shovel to him, and he shovels back. 
Not necessarily that he shovels money, because the love of money is the root of all evil, but he shovels back all the blessings that we have, brethren. Money doesn't buy good health. Money doesn't buy happiness. Money doesn't buy all the good things that we really need in our life. The love of money is the root of all evil. What God shovels to us is the joy, the blessings that we receive of God, and especially the home in the kingdom of God. That is what God is going to shovel to us. May God help us, brethren, and let's be faithful in this life that we live now, and when Jesus shall come, you'll have a home in the kingdom. May God bless you, and thank you very much for listening.